Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome back to another round of the fifth down. My name is Mitch Hill, and with me, as always, is my good friend, co-host, Bennett Hughes. Bennett, how are you doing? Morale is just about the same as it was this time last week when we recorded, Mitch. It's like it's like Groundhog Day. Exactly. It's like deja vu all over again, and this is pretty much exactly where we thought we'd be. So at least no surprises, but um, yeah, morale is, is still pretty low. Right. Before the season started, you had you looked at the schedule, and it was a favorable schedule, which plenty of people have talked about. But you looked at the Georgia and Florida games as games that were probably you were likely to lose if you were going to find some games to lose on the schedule. Just how where they fell. Georgia's obviously very good. And Florida, after Felipe Franks went out, honestly got better. So it was just like those were two games where you could see Mizzou losing. However... You come off that Florida game, and you are now in the midst of a four-game losing streak. You left Columbia a month ago after Ole Miss at 5-1. and one. And since then, you are now 5-5. Five and five, And the offense cannot move the ball to save their life. Yeah, it's, I mean, we've talked about it every week. It's, it's stunning. A month ago, we were singing Dooley's praises, this offense's praises. Kelly Bryant mm-hmm. was starting to click. And then in the last month, just... It's like it's a completely different team. Wide receivers can't get open, can't get separation. Our quote-unquote NFL tight end has just been a complete disappointment. 
Um, hasn't been able to stay on the field for all four, all four downs. Larry Roundtree, who was one of the top, you know, coming back this year, was one of the top rushing leaders in the SEC. I don't know what the heck has gotten gotten into him. It just looks like a completely different player. Um, and and yeah, it's it just this team is undisciplined, penalties all over the place, and it's it's utterly utterly disappointing. I think uh, when you look at the official penalty numbers for the for the team, I think there was only about six penalties for 52 yards, but it might as well have been 7,000 penalties for a million yards because the way they come are at the worst times possible. It's, it's personal foul. It's unsportsmanlike conduct. It's Mizzou had three penalties on the, on in one play, or just on the same play. They had illegal formation, unsportsmanlike conduct, and personal foul or something like that, and it became third and 38. It's just the lack of discipline on the team is something that is really rearing its head, and, and that's what's getting people a lot more frustrated with the staff and the players and themselves is – when you're losing, you're not really doing it in a fashion where you are a likable team. I think Ben Fredrickson, he wrote something about how the team has kind of turned from a very likable team to just not very likable because of the penalties they're causing and just the way they're kind of carrying themselves. For example, Jarvis Ware, he was jawing all game. And I mean, Florida just found Jarvis Ware in that game and just decided that's who we're going to attack. That's the weak spot and go at him. And he was getting torched. And then he... Obviously, was having some boneheaded mistakes after the play, after the game. There was a, there was uh, someone tweeted out that he was still jawing at the Florida players or something like that. It's just lack of discipline, and when he does the incomplete pass, it's like you didn't do much. The ball was overthrown by 15 yards. He he was not great on Saturday, to say the least. Yes, not in the least. And I think just a side note for that, for that general or, or that individual player, I think that's the case of a guy who was under recruited out of the state of Florida, didn't get an offer from the Gators. And that was his way of trying to, to chomp back, if you will, at them. But, um, but still, yes, a lot of just immaturity, um, undisciplined. I, I think, yeah, Frederickson, he said, un, unlikable to unwatchable. And I think that hits the nail on the head. And, yeah, this team, I mean, we thought going into the year could potentially be a 9-10 win team. And we're sitting here at 5-5, five and five and it certainly feels like there may not be any wins the rest of the year and we may not even go to a bowl game. It's it's crazy. Um, and what I'll say is for a team that's, that's built on mainly two and three stars, our margin for error – is so low, right? And the penalties and the special teams errors, that just when you're a team like that, that's what you have to be great at in order to to you know be in these ball games. And the fact that we've shown zero improvement in those areas the entire year falls back on coaching. And I mean it's just it's honestly ridiculous. So the end of the second quarter, you have uh, – or not the end of the second quarter. It's the start of the third quarter, which is the most concerning part. So you're still in the game at that point. But then all of a sudden you come out, you get a little bit of move, momentum on offense, you make some good plays, you get a Kelly Bryant. Um, there's a late hit on KB. And so, therefore, there's 15 yards you're gifted, which 
yards are very sacred at this point for the offense. And then what do you do? You turn around and have some personal fouls, some unsportsmanlike conducts, and just you cannot do what Mizzou did to start that third quarter. And then all of a sudden, one call doesn't go your way on a Khalil Oliver pick that you could say was a pick or wasn't. It probably was, but um, yeah, one thing doesn't go your way, and then all of a sudden, Florida just starts rolling, and guess what? You had boneheaded mistakes that led to an insurmountable lead because there was no, in no world, was Mizzou going to score 14 points in that half in that game. No way. No way at all, and I I mean, they showed a stat. There hasn't been a single receiver that's caught a touchdown, I believe, since the Ole Miss game. I mean, that... How is that even possible? Um, yeah. And it's just compounding over, over time. It's just, it's, um, it's just crazy considering where this team was ago. Um, I would say the one positive thing, which, which in weeks prior in the Vandy game, the Kentucky game, um, it really just felt like this team just overall quit and just the effort wasn't there. I will say that the defense in the Georgia game and at least in the first three quarters of this past game, you you can't say they quit. They were giving it their all. Right. Um, a lot of plays, keeping us in the ball game. But at the end of the day, even if Khalil Oliver's pick was a pick, we weren't that wasn't going to be enough for us to get back in the game because the offense just has a pop gun attack and we can't do anything to save our lives right now. It's uh, it's kind of back to 2015 when everyone watched that offense struggle. That offense had Drew Locke, who was a freshman, who was not unfair to Drew Locke. He was thrusted into action a little bit too early, probably due to some you know actions by the guy he was backing up. And so – you can kind of understand the struggles there. But this year, you have a returning offensive lineman. You have KB, who's a, who has started at Clemson, seen the big stage. He's a fifth-year quarterback, basically. And then returning running backs, decent wide receivers. You have a supposedly all-American tight end that you can lean on and everything. But you just can't move the ball. I was talking to someone before the, uh, before the game, someone that was kind of, you know, some familiarity with the program and everything. And they said, basically, if – Mizzou can score any type of points just that resembles a competent offense and puts 14 to 17 points on the board or something that Mizzou would probably win because uh, the defense would be able to hold Florida under that mark and just have the offense do just enough. Talk to that person after the game as well. And that person said, see no offense. And therefore the defense is going to break at some point. They need some support. And the best chance Mizzou has at scoring a touchdown right now is if Nick Bolton catches a, or jumps a slant route, holds onto that ball and walks into the end zone for six. And that is not something that you should rely on. Uh, no way. Yeah. You should never rely on your defense to score. Yeah. It certainly felt like the only way we were going to get any type of offense or, or scoring was going to be off of a defensive play like that. Um, and that's that's no way that they say defense wins championships, which there's definitely truth to that. But when you can't even move the ball ten yards, I mean, you gotta you can't you can't win if you can't score. Right, you have to score the ball at some point, and just Mizzou football has not been able to do that. I, whatever has happened from that Ole Miss game, where it was I think eleven straight games with thirty plus points after the Ole Miss game dating back to last season. And now I think you've had one touchdown in four games. 
I think that's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, something. So it's just, it's 2015 all over again on the field with the offense and the offense just having an inability to run the ball. For example, we talked about Larry, Larry Roundtree, or as I like to call him, Larry Three Sticks. I had a lot of hope for him this season. However, he gets going in that game. So he touched the ball seven times in that game, seven carries for 30 yards. It's about what's that, a four, four yard average per carry, which is not great by any means, but it, that means if you're giving him the ball three times in a row, based on averages, he's probably getting a first down and that's something you need. But I don't know why. I think it's criminal that Larry Roundtree only carried the ball seven times when you are having an offense that can't catch the ball. You have the worst drop rate in the entire conference. Kelly Bryant probably dropped back, I think we were talking right before we recorded, about 45 times in that game, give or take. He has 39 attempts, but probably 45 dropbacks. For a struggling offense with receivers that can't catch, that is inexcusable. That is bad play calling, and you have to help your quarterback out a little bit more. Exactly, and it certainly feels, and we've discussed this offline, and, and I'm sure people listening to this have, have seen things on forums or you know wherever it might be, but it certainly feels like something happened off the field. Um, and yep. we talk about Larry Roundtree, a guy who looked like potentially an all-conference guy coming into the season. He's been a shell of himself this year. I mean, he's a team captain. He hasn't – he's told the media he, he will not be talking to the media since – after the Ole Miss game, that to me is just very interesting. Um, you've got Derek mm-hmm. Dooley having comments where Derek Dooley, I think he's kind of a, a tough love type guy. He doesn't, he, he's not going to go out of his way to really talk his players up is the feel that I've got. At the end of the day, I think he is a player's guy and they like him, but he's typically not a guy that's going to be shouting and, and putting a lot of praise on his guys, in the, at least in the media. And he had some very interesting quotes talking about how he loved Roundtree and he's a great player and all. That. I just thought that was that was also interesting. And so you just wonder. You have no idea. I mean, this offense is right. just completely fallen off the face of the earth after seemingly looking like a top one of the top offenses in the conference. You have no idea. I mean, we could sit here all day and speculate, but it certainly feels like there's some off the field things going on here. Absolutely. You open yourself to speculation at this point because of everything that's going on in the team around the team and just the way they've looked the last four games. There's four game losing streak that's never that's never fun to watch and it wears thin on a lot of people. And then questions that going into the season you never thought you'd ask as far as job security for Dooley or Odom or anything like that. That's not something that people were talking about before the season. It was eight wins is probably the probably the minimum that you're going to get. And now it's, will they get six wins? Who knows? But then just one bright side, I guess we, you touched on it for a second. One bright side of this team, just so we do have some positivity in this is that Nick Bolton, Jordan Elliott and Kobe Whiteside have all been very, very good at what they're doing that they've really kept the defense afloat since Kale Garrett went out. And those are three bright spots on this team of those three players. And they're, you know, they're having good seasons, and that's one thing that does need to be noted is that the defense, after the Wyoming game, a lot of people were ready to, you know, get rid of Walters and everything. That is one thing that has turned the corner in the defense. Is the only reason Mizzou is not getting blown out by more, honestly. Yeah, and Walters is actually a finalist for one of the top defensive coordinators of the year. Um, and, and we right. were completely shaking our heads after the Wyoming game as to what the heck happened. So 
definitely a positive there. But aside from that, really not a lot of a lot of takeaways um, that you can feel good about. And the next 11 days, Mitch, is going to be an absolute I mean, like we said last week, get your popcorn ready. The next 11 days is going to go a long way in determining the course of this program over the course of the next three to five years. Um, the seat is definitely starting to get a little warm for Barry Odom. Yeah. Um, you talk about the, the easy schedule that was lined up this year, fans' expectations, where the program is at from a financial standpoint. Attendance, it's not been terrible this year, but definitely not where it – where we want it to be. Um, I mean, it's going to be – these next few games are critical. And then you also factor in the potential NCAA sanctions with scholarship reductions. Um, I mean, that could be a complete hamper on the program the next few years. So a lot of, lot of things going on um, that have to be monitored. So I want to – so – I want to touch on the attendance and everything and the fans that you were kind of talking about. So one thing I noticed about the game is that the announced attendance, I think was a a little under 58,000. So that's, it's not a sellout. Obviously that means there are 57,000 in the stadium. So the support is there. It would be different if you were saying the fan support's not there and everything, but that's coming off of a three game losing streak where you just looked awful against Vandy in Kentucky, Georgia is whatever it is, but you come to play Florida at home after a three, on a three-game skid, and there's still a good amount of people in that stadium to watch the team. So the fan support's there. It's People want to support the team. They, they do, clearly. Otherwise, why would they be there on at 11 a.m. on Saturday, also opening deer season, which is always a big thing here in Missouri, as I'm sure a lot of people are aware of. And there are plenty of people there. And what do you do? You lay an egg against a ranked opponent. And so you're not really giving many people a reason to support and to keep coming out. And that's just not acceptable at this point. Exactly. And yes, the next week, two weeks, I've gone from somebody that was one of Barry Odom's biggest, um, biggest supporters to really, really starting to think that it's time for a change um, considering mm-hmm. where we're at and where we're at in the conference and how handicapped we are from a resource standpoint. Um, when you talk about recruiting, donations, that type of thing, it might be time to stop messing around. And I mean, this is a big boy conference. Um, and I mean, at the end of the day, I love Barry Odom. I think he's a great person. I think he's a great um, I, yeah, he's a great person. He's a great ambassador for the University of Missouri. But as far as being able to to take this football program to where we need it to be and, and where people expect it to be, I, I just don't know if you can really justify him as being the guy right now. Um, so that that's something that we can definitely I, unpack um, as, as these next two games right. uh, unfold. But I mean, it, it certainly feels like. You know, if we did like a, a poll right now of, of the fan base, I would say three fourths of the fans are 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 off the train and, and ready to move on. Yeah, I would say that, that at least the confidence is is shaky at best at this point. And so, 
I, I think it's a fair thing to ask, and it's something, like you said, we can unpack as these next two games go on because these next two games are going to do a lot to say for the future. So say Odom beats, beats Tennessee, beats Arkansas, probably coming back next year. Splits the games, probably still coming back at 6-6, six and six, and it's just going to be, well, we know that there was a bad season. However, let's, you know, see what happens next year and everything. But if you drop both of these games, I think there's no chance in that the staff survives through that one. I don't think it'll happen, but you never know because it clearly is very hard to win in this league, and Mizzou has demonstrated that very well these last four games. So it, it is what it is. It's frustrating as fans. We're frustrated um, as just generals, general watchers of football. It's frustrating because it's not a fun brand to watch of football on one side of the ball. Defense is fun to watch, but, you know, offense is – it's fun to score points too, and that's something that Mizzou is not doing. Yeah, and you think about as far as next year goes, starting over with a new quarterback, we've got a lot of departures um, on defense as well as the offensive line. That's that's one of one of the most you know the bottom feeder in the SEC as far as an offensive line goes. I mean, if the expectation this year was to win eight or nine games and we may top out at six or seven. What What's the expectation next right. year? And so I think there's a lot of people out there that think, yes, maybe maybe going to a bowl game and, and salvaging this year, you know, might save Barry Odom's job, but it honestly may just be prolonging the inevitable and, and just forwarding a perpetual, you know, mediocrity. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see what the team ends up looking like against Tennessee because that will kind of tell you – I think it'll tell you a lot about what you uh, what you have inside the program. You hear you hear all of the. I've got a lot of confidence in my guys. Strong locker room, but I think the Tennessee game will be very telling if you do have a strong locker room or not. It's senior night, so a lot of these players it'll be the last time they suit up, um, and at for Infro Field and everything. So I think it'll you'll you'll know a lot about Mizzou after this uh, after the Tennessee's game's over. I don't think you learn much from Arkansas unless you lose, then you learn a lot, but I don't think you learn a ton, but I think Tennessee's a program that's kind of on the up and up this season. They started out very poorly, but they've finished strong so far. So I think you're going to learn a lot about the old Tigers on uh, Saturday at 6:30 on Furrow, at Furrow Field. Um so I think that kind of wraps up the Mizzou portion. What do you think about that? Yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. as much as that team bears talking about. <laughs> yeah, so there'll be plenty of thank pieces and everything that people can kind of dive into as we go. But as always, what we do here on the fifth down is we do recap some things in college football. The first thing I would like to talk about, and Bennett, I'm interested to see how you think about this, is the Tua Tungavailoa injury. That's a devastating injury, obviously. You hate to see that. However, I don't know if I agree with all of the people that are saying that why was Tua in the game. Yes. I At first glance, I was not watching that game at the time it happened, but obviously saw the breaking news. And, I mean, you do see – just really not paying attention, you know, just as a casual fan, you see, okay, Alabama was up 35-7. to What is he doing in the game? He he's been he's come back from in, in, excuse me injury in the last couple of weeks. You're trying to get him up to speed. Their biggest games are ahead of them, and it was during a two minute drill. I definitely see the side. It's also the first half. It, still the first half, yes. 
Um, but I, I, Saban, Nick Saban knows what the heck he's doing. He's the top coach in the entire country. I wouldn't question, right. you know, his, his decision-making. And I mean, he's trying to get his guy back into rhythm for their biggest games ahead. They've got the iron bowl, um, the sec championship, um, their potential college football playoff. It's still up in the air for him. So, um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I see I see both sides, but I mean, at the end of the day, you got to get him right, and you've got one of the best O lines in the country. Any every college football player knows going out there each day that it could be their last time playing. It's just the risk you run, and it's absolutely unfortunate to see because Tua is one of the best players in the game, and he's got a bright future ahead of him. But I I don't I don't think Nick Saban made a bad call there. I really don't. Yeah, I also think that. If it were his ankle that got re-injured or something, that's what has kind of been plaguing him. It was a, it's a fractured hip. You want to talk about just kind of a freak injury? I, the precision that that injury probably had to take place, where Tua falls directly on the hip and then a giant human being falls directly on top of him as well. There's just a lot of freak things that happen in that injury. So I don't blame Saban for having him in the game. It's a good chance to practice two-minute drill against live competition. That's not practice. It was the first half. I don't think you bench player. I don't think you pull players in the first half, especially your starters when you're trying to get a rhythm. And let's not forget that after losing to LSU, a lot of people thought that if Alabama wanted to make the college football playoff, they need some style points. And so that means dis- dismantling the teams you're playing. And that's what they were trying to do. That's what Alabama does. That's why everyone loves Alabama or hates them, depends on who you are. But that's what makes Bama Bama. And so I don't have an issue with Tua being in the game there. It's just that's what it is, and it's just kind of a freak injury, honestly. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously – our thoughts go out to Tua, hopefully, and, and just reading things today, it, it seems like the prognosis is, is good, and it's not like a, a Bo Jackson-type injury, which some people were speculating it was. So that's positive news. And, I mean, hey, it, it is Alabama at the end of the day. They'll probably – they're like shark's teeth. They'll probably <laughs> plug in some five-star. I think Mac Jones is their backup. And you know what? He'll probably come out next week and throw 300 yards and four touchdowns. So <laughs> – Probably. No, not not so, really a whole lot of sympathy for uh, for that program. No, not at all. So, well, other elsewhere in college football, LSU continued to roll. They looked pretty good against Ole Miss, fifty-eight to thirty-seven. Hey, Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss I think, pesky. I I don't know if you watched that game, but I mean, we've we've kind of talked about them since Mizzou played them, mm-hmm. and our boy John Rice Pumley with one of the most SEC names of all time. That yep. guy, it, he did it against us, and he's done it against Alabama and LSU. Multiple runs. 21 carries, yeah. 212, four touchdowns on the ground. The guy is an athlete. Um, they're just a pesky, Good pesky team, fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, Clemson, they needed to uh, smash someone in the ACC instead of just kind of fooling around, and boy, did they. Uh, they got right against Wake Forest pretty good. 52-3, to three, that's that's an ass-kicking. Yes, um, which, I mean, the <laughs> ACC, I mean, gosh, say what you will. It's so it's, bad. It is atrocious this year. Um, mm-hmm. And then, let's see, Ohio it, State obviously just rolling over little sisters just, of the poor, <laughs> Rutgers. I mean, how are they even in the Big Ten? How are they even a Power 5 team? Um, Justin Fields – 
I was just going to say, Justin Fields, I mean, he'll, he's got a New York invite. I think Joe Burrow's got, got his one hand on the Heisman, but Justin Fields isn't out of the out of the running just yet. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. Um, Georgia, they're not wowing you on offense by any means, but their defense is good enough to keep you in – to keep games low and keep you, other teams from scoring. So they go into Auburn, and they won 21-14, which is – that's not easy to do. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say going into Auburn and beating them is not easy. Definitely. And I honestly, before that game, I would have predicted Auburn to win that game, just given the offensive woes for Georgia in past weeks. And they, hey, they showed out and showed why they deserve to be in the SEC championship game. And then the good story, thanks for playing. It was fun while it lasted for a week. Minnesota goes into Iowa, and and Iowa does what Iowa does, and they beat top ten teams at home. And Minnesota just looked not great in that game. I watched most of that game, and Minnesota just looked completely different than what they did last week against Penn State. Yeah, I mean Tanner Morgan did still have a good game. That's mm-hmm. he's quietly having a great year, a quarterback for them. Um, pivotal. Playing that game, PJ Fleck gets a, a personal foul penalty on a on a drive that they were looking to go in for a touchdown. I mean, that's the difference of the game. Um, yeah, that's uh, a gr- that's I mean that's that's a pretty classic PJ Fleck um, penalty that where he's running out on the field checking on his player and everything. But it's just he's got a lot of energy, and that happens. <laughs> it just happens to so. And then I think the game of the week. For me, it had to be that OU Baylor game. I don't know how much of that game you caught, but Jalen Hurts has an ability to will his teams to win. They were they were down twenty eight to three, right? Yeah, I mean they just talk about being punched in the mouth. I mean that environment was electric. Baylor just comes out and just pops them right at the beginning. You thought they you know went for the knockout, up twenty eight three. Student section going crazy. Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts looked like like Kelly Bryant in the Wyoming game with a couple of those turnovers. Um, just did not look like himself in the first half. That guy is an absolute winner. Um, I'd take him on my team any day of the Absolutely. week. Absolutely. Just, they just come back and it's done, Baylor. And then I think I think honestly that's that's a little karma for Baylor yes. for getting off completely with with uh, the events that took place there under the Art Briles regime. <laughs> right. And then last one that I want to touch on, just because I feel like you we have to mention it. The Fighting Tom Hermans are six and four now. They lose to Iowa State on a uh, game winning field goal. So Tom Herman uh, just really. Uh, They've lost four games for, I think, four years in a row now, and I don't think that they've won a conference title since the Longhorn Network was announced. So, Direct direct correlation. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so t- Longhorn Network comes out. The Big 12 will, will never be the same because of Longhorn Network and kind of what Texas did there, and the success on the field is not there for Texas given what how much they changed that conference just based on – my personal opinion there. So they are six and four and they lose to Iowa state, which is just, it's pretty perfect. I don't know how they're 19th. Yeah. You you really just hate to see that. And then, uh, your, your preseason ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers dropped their sixth. 
in danger of not being bowl eligible for the second year in a row. Um, yet they extend Scotty Frost yep. to you got the extension. 2026. Yep. The, yeah, I, I saw that, and that's just, hey, you just some of these old old friends of Mizzou watching them struggle a little bit makes the you know the four game slide not it's still awful but not as terrible I guess you could say. <laughs> Definitely, and, and hey, West Virginia coming up big with a with the big win over Kansas State, so. I think that definitely means that Mizzou would, would beat K-State by the transitive property. Have to, so. It has to be correct. You're right. I agree. More, more victories. <laughs> we, we've got to count them given where we're at. Right. So that's kind of a little bit of a recap over college football. Um, Mizzou football, I think we recapped that well enough for 20 minutes or so. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here? None other than what I mentioned earlier as, as these next 11 days, you know, the, the Tennessee-Arkansas game, if you think about it, they're, they're huge. They're going to determine the course of this program over the next three to five years. Um, and I, inevitably, you know, is Barry Odom going to mm-hmm. keep his job? You, you talked about it. You're really going to see um, you know, what this team is made of. The players, they've got to know that their coach is on the hot seat, that he's he's got, um, you know, a, a ride out of town potentially. And so are they going to are they going to come out and, you know, try to obviously save his job? Um, yeah, it, it's going to be interesting I, to me. Yeah, it, it kind of feels a little bit like 2015, the, the Mizzou BYU game where nobody, you know, they're just kind of a lost game. Nobody was really we put up any effort. You hope it turns like that. Turns out like that. You just no idea honestly yeah, how to call it. I don't think anybody yeah, does. It's like like we said, it's just going to be a really interesting way to finish the season, and not not where everyone thought we'd be. Uh, that's for sure. With uh, two games left, if you ask me, if uh, before the season, I thought with two games left, Mizzou would still have an outside shot at going to Atlanta and all that. However, that is not the case. Mizzou needs to finish the season strong. Um, so that is kind of – that's the recap, I would say. That's the recap. And then this week, Rockham Nation, Nate Edwards will have you uh, have you covered with the preview against Tennessee. So be sure to check out that. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review, unsubscribe, resubscribe, all that fun stuff to Rockham Nation podcast wherever you find your podcast. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at mhill underscore and Bennett, you are – Hughes underscore you are daddy. Give him a follow, everyone. Be sure to do that. Bennett had a nice little comment towards the NCAA about a, running a Mickey Mouse institution today. So you're missing some content like that if you have not followed him yet. So until next week, we will be back. And hopefully it is a Mizzou win that we are recapping. And we can uh, have a little more positivity on this. But until then, thanks for tuning in.